0: Hello, and welcome back to the Iowa Type Theory Commute. I'm Aaron Stump, and we are kind of nearing the end of Season 3 of the podcast. We've been talking about proof assistance for a while here. And I want to do one more um, episode talking about metamath. And then, um, I'm still going to keep recording episodes over the summer. Uh, You know, semester here is done for now, but still, I'm going to do stuff over the summer. In fact, I'm kind of looking for ideas. If you have something you want me to talk about, you think would be interesting, uh, just shoot me an email. And yes, so we've been talking about metamath, and I am very impressed with metamath, as I told you before. Um, and so one of the things that impresses me a lot is the book that comes with metamath by Norman Miguel, who sadly passed away recently in the past year or two, I think it was then. And Norman has written a really nice book that covers a lot of stuff in logic with the degree of sophistication and you know, informed perspective <laughs> that I thought was wonderful, particularly given how um, open and friendly the book is and not presuming that much of the reader. So he is clearly on a mission to in a very gentle, friendly way, kind of educate us who were reading his book about some ideas in logic, some of them rather sophisticated, some of them that were news to me. Um, For example, I didn't know that Tarski in the 1960s or 50s or something had a um, formulation of first-order logic that was trying to avoid the notion of free and bound variable, Um, a notion that is notoriously a pain in the rear for programming languages design, for lambda calculus, for logic, it's obnoxious to talk about free and bound variables and deal with, you know, describe capture avoiding substitution. People working in programming languages these days are really familiar with this because of the great interest there has been um, in the past. Golly, it's heading towards two decades now since the Mark challenge was proposed by Wyrex, Dan, Swick, Pierce, and I'm sorry if I'm missing other authors, um, where they basically said, "Why don't we see if we can formalize?" the meta-theory that describes, you know, that basically leads up to the proof of correctness for, say, a type system of a programming language, let's see if we can actually carry out those kind of proofs in proof assistance. And one of the most painful points, which they recognized right away and which has been well known um, in the theorem-proving community, is what in pain it is to deal with bound variables. And so anyway, (laughs) um, uh, coming back to to MetaMath, um, so as we talked about last time so the philosophy of metamath it's really intended to be a metalogical system with, with no logical commitments I mean it's <laughs> um, it's a little tricky to avoid logical commitments um, as free logic people will tell you right you know like in f- standard first order logic if you can prove that something is true for every x you can prove that there exists an x for which it's true which so like for all x p of x implies there exists x p of x which some people don't like that, and they these people design these logics called free logics that don't have any ontological commitments. The logic itself is not committed to the existence of anything. Um, anyhow, so I'm just saying it can be s- tricky to avoid commitments in your setup. But they he, McGill is, offers some pretty good evidence that, that his system, is metalogic, is really not um, doesn't make a lot of commitments. And so he's got form- you can formulate classical logic in there. You can formulate intuitionistic logic. Um, but the sort of the main working theory, I'm mean, just like in Isabel, right? There's Isabel Hull. So it's like Isabel is a metal logic as well. Um, quite a bit more complicated one. Uh, if, and... Um, uh, oh, sorry. There's a detour. Okay. <laughs> Who knew? There's some farmland is getting turned into... Housing developments, and now you have to go around. Uh, yeah. So, um, anyhow, so in Isabel, even though it's a meta logic, the idea is that your most you know, main line of work is on this particular logic encoded in the meta logic, which is higher, which is Hull, a theorem of higher-order logic that ultimately goes back to Church's simple theory of types. Anyhow, um, so in in metamath, it seems like the main line of work is on this. Is based on axioms for set theory, Zermelo-Frankel set theory with the axiom of choice, described in first-order logic, and so McGill explains that we're kind of we're going to add, you know, metamath. You just declare axioms and rules, and then metamath just checks that you're doing deductions using the axioms and rules that you stated correctly. Uh, and it's, so it's really, it's meant to be a, what he describes as a proof verifier. I think that's a perfectly great term for it. Um, a little simpler, it could be just called a proof checker. It's just there to check a proof. It's not there to, to give you lots and lots of help crafting it. It's not there to let you write automated theorem proving algorithms that fill in parts of the proof for you. That's not the goal at all. The goal is in support of something that a lot of other researchers in this area have dreamed of which is the ability to create kind of a formal library or archive or database of mathematical knowledge. And I mean, as a computer scientist, uh, I respect formulating mathematical knowledge as an application of this technology. That's not particularly my goal. Um, and, and as you follow the online harangues of, of uh, various folks who um, are trying to get more mathematics and more mathematicians interested in formalizing mathematics, With proof assistants, you know that there's a lot of complaints that people who create proof assistants aren't really very in tune with the mathematics that those proof assistants could at least be trying to support. Um, Anyhow, so uh, yes, in metamath there's a particular theory, which is, yes, starting from propositional logic and then adding quantifiers of first-order logic and then describing set theory within that first-order logic this is sort of the setup. And then on the basis of that that particular set theory, you know, it's argued that you can carry out most of mainstream mathematics. And so that's that's kind of the, the goal of using that, I guess. Um, so let's see. So to return um, to the book, which again I think is one of those highlights, the book and the fact that the implementation is in C is Thank you, MIT, because that was Norman Magos. So undergrad was from there. And, um, you know, that's the spirit of MIT. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's a very r- ridiculous statement, of course. But still, the idea that, you know, we can love our hardware and we can make it do really, really awesome stuff for us um, without, uh, you know, all the layers of crud, right? It's a lot of software today, a lot of tools. It's bloody hard to install them. <laughs> And here you just download a bunch of C code and just run a C compiler and it compiles and that's all there is to it, you know. But try try installing some of these other things. Like installing caulk is pretty complicated nowadays. You need to install a camel and use opam to get caulk or maybe that's not the only way to do it, but that's kind of the recommended way to do it. And so it's like the software dependencies just grow and grow. But metamath is just this little bundle of C code. I, <clears throat> it aims to be small and the proof checker, the proof verifier, as McGill calls it, is supposed to be um, something that's very small. And in fact, he says that there are something like seven different independently written checkers for that for metamath. So that's really great. That's a dream come true, right? You wonder kind of the whole kind of who verifies the verifier, um, you know, Quis, what is it? There's like a lot in Quis Custodes, some, who guards the, who watches the Watchmen or something like this. There's a Star Trek episode that has that title, some old Star Trek episode. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. And, uh, you know, so the goal here is to have a very small core checker. And in fact, he wants to keep his, Norman wants to keep his language, um, his core language of Metamath, very compact and very straightforward to check, to check efficiently and to check with a small amount of code that doesn't include a lot of complicated notions. Hence, the interest in not having to build into his checker a notion of scoped variables, locally scoped variables. And um, one point I wanted to make about metamath was it reminded me, as I was learning about it, a lot of, very much, of automath. And I was a little bit, slightly disappointed not to find any reference to automath in Norman McGill's book on metamath. And I presume that is simply um, he maybe has not, had not encountered that system or wasn't familiar with it, but it had very similar goals. We're going to have a metal language, some kind of metal language, in which you then write down rules and axioms for logics and logical theories in which you then want to carry out you know deductions. And it would be interesting, and I think there's a master's thesis waiting to be written out there. If you, are you listening? Do you need a master's thesis topic? Here you go. Compare the um, compare and contrast the proof systems, you know, the core uh, metallogical systems of metamath and automath. This would be a very interesting exercise. You would learn a lot, and the public, or some <laughs> teeny tiny abstraction of the public, ex- extraction of the public, would be benefit from seeing those systems compared because automath has a logical framework based on a type theory. In fact. De Brown was essentially the the um, inventor, I think, or I mean, I don't want to get into the historical arguments, but um, certainly a, a let's let's go for co-inventor at least, or maybe inventor of dependent types. I mean, I think it's typical to credit Martin Luff and De Brown, but I, but De Brown's work was before Martin Luff's type theories were proposed, as far as I understood. Anyway, that's a question for people a little deeper into the history there. Um, but So Automath had a logical framework that was essentially a typed lambda calculus. Actually, they had various different flavors of typed lambda calculus that were proposed over the years um, as their logical framework. And then they had the exact same philosophy. You write down rules and axioms, and we have a checker that checks proofs that you have written with those axioms. And the, and there's a paper by De Brown I think called something like a plea for weaker frameworks or something like this, uh, where he's um, arguing that we should keep those logical frameworks as weak as possible. Don't build in lots of complicated stuff into them so that we can have small core checkers. I don't remember actually what his argument for it was. I just remember he was asking, you know, advocating that we keep those systems small. <clears throat> And Norman Gill would wholeheartedly agree with him. In fact, that's why I'd say it would be an interesting master's thesis to compare the two, because um, MetaMath is seeking to be very have very few, you know, very small you know, use of primitives, like really minimal. Because Automath does have a notion of locally scoped variables as as implementing a typed lambda calculus. But MetaMath, as I understood from reading the those parts of the book, does not. It doesn't use, it doesn't have that kind of notion of locally scoped variables as part of the core. In fact, this is where um, this axiom system of Tarski's comes in to uh, try to find a way to express logic without needing a complicated notion of locally scoped variables. You know, for quantifiers is where you need them in logic, right? For all x, there exists x. These are local variables, locally scoped variables. And all the same annoying problems you have in describing lo- um, you know, programming languages with bound variables or lambda calculus or something. Shows up there for these uh, quantifiers, and so Miguel is saying, "Hey, we could describe local scope with um, uh, you know axioms or axiom schemes." He also, there's another point I really appreciate. He makes a big point about we're working schematically, Uh, so we write down axiom schemes, which are um, you know, an axiom is something that has you know concrete variables, like zero not equals one. Or It has concrete terms in it. Zero not equal to 1 is an axiom scheme. Or, or, uh, you know, for all x, x equals x. I'm sorry, I said zero not equals 1 is an axiom. For all x, x equals x. That's an axiom. A scheme is something like the induction scheme. It says for any formula. So you're quantifying over formulas. You say, oh, isn't that allowed in logic? It's allowed in higher order logic, but it's not allowed in first order logic to quantify over formulas. So you sort of escape from this this limitation by saying we're going to have this kind of metalogical object, this axiom scheme, that um, is doing something that you can't really do within the logic. You can't quantify over formulas within first-order logic, but you can say, "Oh, I have got this scheme for any formula you want. You can instantiate the induction uh, scheme, for example, with that with that formula." Um, so, uh, yeah, so McGill emphasizes deriving things um, and working with schemes, but he doesn't, and he says kind of, yeah, we could formulate locally scoped variables with rules and axioms in metamath, but it would be kind of ugly and heavy and we don't want to do that. So he uses this Tarski axiom system, which again, I would like, personally like to get in and understand a little bit more about. Um, one thing I can share with you is this idea from, that I saw there of, expressing that X is not free in phi by saying phi implies for all X phi. Okay? If I want a formula that says X is not free in phi, a formula that kind of serves that purpose that would do the job there is to say that phi implies for all X phi. Think about a specific example, let's say X equals 3 implies for all X, X equals 3. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It doesn't, right? x equals 3 does not imply that every x equals 3. So um, so you can sort of see from that little example that that little trick of saying that phi implies for x phi does kind of represent, in code, as a logical formula, the idea that x is, um, is not free in phi. And so the axiom system of Tarski's apparently makes use of this trick and perhaps others, and McGill builds on that. Um, I highly recommend McGill's book if you want to learn some logic and stuff. Uh, this is great because you'll get a very computational view of it, and also you, you, McGill does an excellent job in covering a lot of different perspectives on proof checking and things like this. He talks about automated theorem proving, he talks about proof assistance, proof checkers. He talks about different systems out there and compares them and stuff. So it's it's quite informative, and he's really writing. I'm. He, like any really good author, he's probably writing for his his previous his past self. <laughs> he's, in a sense, describing this stuff as he wished somebody had described it to him before he had to go off and painfully figure it all out from hard-to-read, unfriendly tracts. Okay, so anyway, um, that's what I wanted to share about Metamath. I'm singing its praises. I think it's pretty awesomely cool. And it has a lot of, a lot of good things that we, we should try to emulate. Very fast, compact, easy-to-compile proof checkers. Yeah. <laughs> really great book that's very friendly to outsiders and tries to help bring them into the club. Wonderful. So great. Um, Anyway, thanks a lot for listening. If you, again, as I said, I think I'm ready to wrap up talking about pre-assistance. And over the summer here now, this is, uh, I don't know what day to say, it's May 20th, 2022, something like that. Um, So over the summer, I I want to find another topic and I haven't decided yet. So if you want to influence the direction (laughs) the podcast, you know, sh- shoot me an email, um, r- fill out, a, drop a stone tablet near my yard. I'm sorry. I mean, most people are like, Oh, I was going to say somebody asked for a discord, um, forum or server, whatever they call it for the podcast. And I, that's a wonderful idea. And I will try to do that. <laughs> I've been, it's not like it's hard. I'm just, yeah, I'm I will try to set that up because I think that could be useful. Um, for for people who want to talk about these things more and don't necessarily want to just email me and stuff. All right. Thanks a lot for listening. I hope you're well wherever you are. And yeah, tune in sometime pretty soon for um, something new. I haven't quite decided what, as I said. All right. Take care.